Welcome to the Nourish Gut Podcast, the go-to place for all things gut health. I'm Carly Raven, your gut health naturopath and nutritionist, here to guide you on a journey towards a happier, healthier digestive system. Are you tired of feeling bloated, battling with unpredictable digestion or fearing every meal? Well, you're in the right place. Each week we dive into the world of gut health, breaking down the complexities and uncovering practical strategies to help you and your digestive system thrive. I know firsthand the challenges of dealing with conditions like SIBO and IBS, and that's why I'm here to share expert insights, debunk myths, and bring you interviews with leading experts in the field. Whether you're a practitioner looking for effective clinical solutions or an individual seeking relief from digestive symptoms, you're not alone on this journey. So grab your favorite kombucha or a herbal tea, sit back, and let's dive deep into the world of gut health. Hello and welcome back to the Nourish Gut Podcast. Today we are joined by Kate Harrison. She is a naturopath, Ayurvedic postpartum doula, mother of three, podcaster and mentor to doulas, midwives and women health practitioners. Kate uses an East meets West approach to mother care using herbal medicine, nutrition, and traditional practices to support women through pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. I'm so excited to personally have Kate joining us today to discuss the intricate connections between mental health postpartum and gut health. This has a personal touch today because I am four months postpartum and know I've navigated that space twice now as I'm a mother of two myself. So I'm sure you're in for a delightful conversation between Kate and I who know the depth of that realm really well and we look forward to bringing you lots of interesting research and connections between the mind and the gut. A big welcome to you, Kate. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Carly. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to chat about this topic. I think it's a really important one and something that I know you're doing a lot of work in at the moment. I did see that you are potentially bringing out a program for people, which we'll talk about today. So I'm sure you've got so much to share with us. So let's start off by kind of defining uh, maternal mental health and why it's significant during and after pregnancy and what might be a little bit different between general maternal health and mental health issues and how it appears after uh, birth. Yeah, so maternal mental health is basically the, it's the emotional and mental well-being of mothers, particularly during the pregnancy and postpartum, but obviously it can, you know, it extends well beyond that as well. So there's so many changes that go on in pregnancy hormonally um, and it can really affect um, the mental health of a mother. So there is, if you do have a history of mental health issues, you are at a higher risk of developing the postpartum. But many mums who have no history at all of any mental health often find themselves navigating these issues like depression, anxiety for the first time, thinking, you know, how where did this come from? And often it is due to, you know, the hormonal changes, gut health, um, you know, just the demands on the body in pregnancy nutritionally wise as well. Like it's very um, taxing and depleting. And so if we're not having 
these kind of key areas in place in terms of nutrition, gut health, um, that can really affect us as well. And it's just, yeah, it's really important to know because there can be external factors, of course, like, you know, things like sleep deprivation and birth trauma, lack of support. But, you know, what we're talking today about is particularly more the internal kind of things, you know, like the nutrition and the gut health. Um, and it plays a huge role and it's something that's really often overlooked. Often mums, you know, they go to the doctors and they're just given a, you know, a medication or they're sent to counselling. And while these things can be really helpful, if we don't have these basic foundations in place, um, we're really missing that root, root cause treatment. Mm, absolutely. Um, and I agree that it is often missed. And I also think it it, it starts even before um, conception. Um, and I know uh, you interviewed me on your podcast and we talked a lot, a lot about that phase and gut health, you know, for postpartum and during pregnancy. So for anyone who wants mm. to kind of catch some information about that period, if that's where you're currently at, um, jump onto Kate's podcast, Little Yarrow, and um, you can listen to that episode because it's full of um, juicy goodness as well. So yeah, we know that it starts kind of back back then. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some specific things that we are going to talk about today for this postpartum period. So what do you think are the mental health challenges that are faced by mothers during like the postpartum? So like depression, anxiety, and stress? Yeah. So depression, anxiety are the biggest. They affect roughly one in five um, mums will develop postnatal depression or anxiety, but they often go hand in hand as well. Um, I think there's probably more awareness around depression, not so much awareness around anxiety. So, you know, we're more familiar. Depression can be just feeling really down and sad, um, mm. crying a lot, but it's not always that either. Like for some mums, it's not, um, it's more, they can even just feel very numb. And so they're not, they don't feel sad or they're not crying, but they just, they're not feeling anything. And, you know, lack of motivation, things like that, disconnect from baby. But sometimes as well, because it's different for everyone and some women, they do feel really connected with their baby. They love their baby, but they just don't feel right themselves. And then anxiety is more that panicky, you know, the psychological aspect. So feeling, worrying a lot, worrying about their baby, just worrying, fearing, you know, a lot of fear. But then you've got the physiological, like the racing heart, um, panic attacks, insomnia, not being able to relax. So that often is, you know, it can look a bit different for everyone else. And then you've got things like postpartum OCD, so obsessive compulsive disorder, which does fall under the anxiety umbrella. And that's more so, it's less common and it's definitely a lot more taboo, something we don't really know, like talk about much, but it's, um, it's the anxiety, but what comes with it is this so the obsession so it's like worrying something typically bad is going to ha happen to your baby and then the, the compulsion is a ritualist something kind of ritualistic that makes you think if I do this so example if I lock the door like three times then my baby will be safe or if I wash my hands you know it's like these repetitive kind of rituals we develop to help counteract the fear of something bad happening and mum's they know it's they know that it's irrational mm. it's not like they know it's irrational but they can't um escape that feeling and it's like you know but often just talking about it like what's that saying like name it to tame it like often because I had this actually with both my first two 
babies and it was so strange because I never had any history of this before but it just came on really fast and I was like is this even a thing or am I just weird um and that's like I started looking into it a lot and um I didn't get it this time around third time around which I'm glad but I found second time around just talking about it was basically all I needed because first time I was just embarrassed I didn't want to tell anyone which made it worse you know, often you hear mums as well, like checking babies, breathing repetitively, worrying, are they breathing, are they breathing? It's like this anxious kind of thing and it's really horrible. And then you've got things like postpartum psychosis, which is a lot more rare and postpartum bipolar as well, So, um, which is rare again, but it does happen. So they're like the main key ones. You've got like postnatal rage as well, which is, become, you know, a lot more mums are talking about that where Basically, it's just mums that are really like overstimulated, like there's a lot of adrenal dysfunction going on and it's like they just lose it at, you know, very small things. I remember I had a client once telling me even just hearing her dog's claws on the floorboard was enough to just trigger her. And, you know, a lot of mums very sensitive to sound as well, like noise stimulation. That's a very common one, just finding. And, you know, kids and babies are, you know, they're loud. But some women, they do find that that overstimulation from the noise triggers them as well. So that's like another another area. So they're yeah, I would say they're the main key areas. Yeah, I can definitely relate to some of them. Like, and I think getting hot, like those maternal um, postpartum hot flushes for me would then mm. I would be really hot and then I'd feel stressed and then I'd get flustered and then almost like this sense of rage that you were talking about, like of like just mm. agitation. Um, <laughs> and also the sensory stuff, like I've noticed uh, and I've actually spoken to Lockie about this, like sometimes I'm just like, oh, too much, like, or I just need space. Yeah. Like I found after I had Sunny and I've got a four-year-old, my four-year-old would come up and be like, mum, 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 or like being a typical toddler, like having, wanting his needs met. But I was like breastfeeding and Sonny was coming off the boob and milk was going everywhere. And I'm just like, and he's just at me, like needing what he needs. And I'm like, ooh, like, and you just get this whole body sensory overload. Yeah. And you can feel like the adrenaline, like you can feel it in your body and it's <laughs> yeah. it's a bit much. And I think, can we talk about quickly, I think there's a little difference here because that's, that's like, that's still occurring for me, but it's a lot more mild. Like my response at four, like I'm four months postpartum at the moment and I find that I can regulate that a little bit more now, but mm-hmm. initially it was so intense that I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, have I, yeah. is there something wrong with me here? And blaming myself and being like, don't be yeah. a mum. You know, there was moments of like, you know, almost being like, stop, like just <laughs> don't talk to me right now. Like I just can't. Yeah. So much. Then you feel really bad about yourself and your own reaction. So I think like is there potential and you might know more about like this because this is your zone of genius, but there's those initial hormonal fluctuations that happen that would kind of amplify this and then it settles down. But maybe this doesn't settle down for some people. And I think could you shed some light on whether that's then like a key indicator that more long-term support is needed or is that just my experience and I've kind of overcome that quicker than most or yeah can you touch on Mm. that because I definitely yeah definitely the hormonal shifts um postpartum and some women because if you go like if you're going into pregnancy 
and you already have some hormonal imbalances, like you're, you're, you know, like it's going to be different um, postpartum. It might take you longer to balance your hormones or you might revert back to that particular, you know, a lot of women, modern day culture, we have like low progesterone, which causes a lot of like mental health issues because it's so important for that, you know, plays a key role in feeling calm you know, if you already have hormonal imbalances, basically that's going to, yeah, it's going to make you even more predisposed to postpartum mental health issues as well. But typically like, you know, that period of time afterwards where everything's regulating, you've got, you know, like the estrogen's dropping and you've got the cortisol dropping after the birth and you've got all the, you know, the prolactin and oxytocin increasing. It's like all this crazy stuff going on and you're just trying to regulate and so you are a lot more sensitive but yeah definitely women that feel like uh, some women it just takes longer for them to regulate depending on their hormonal balance depending on their gut health depending on their nutrient status as well like so many different factors coming into it yeah Mm, okay so let's dive into this a bit more and talk about the connection between the gut microbiome and influencing brain function and in particular mental health can you just connect those dots for us today yeah so we know that um when it comes to our neurotransmitter functioning that uh, you know our gut microbiome is heavily responsible for the production of you know, these key neurotransmitters like our serotonin, GABA, dopamine, and not just the production, but also, um, you know, the functioning as well, you know, the absorption of the key nutrients required to actually make the neurotransmitters as well. So if our gut microbiome is off, then when first of all, we're not going to be able to absorb the nutrients required to make them. Um, and then also it'll affect um, the function functioning as well particularly if there's a lot of gut um, inflammation so often there's particular bacteria that cause a lot of gut inflammation and so that gut inflammation will affect the brain via the gut brain access and cause neuroinflammation so it'll even if you have the transmitters there like just say you are producing optimal amounts of serotonin and dopamine and GABA but if you have that neuroinflammation, it'll actually impair their functioning. So they won't actually be working properly. And it's almost like like your brain's on fire. You know, it's like the neurons are there, but they're not actually working properly. And you can have both. Like some people, they're not making enough. And the ones that they do have are not functioning properly. So that's why we want to make sure that that's why gut health is so important um, for the mental health because it plays such a huge role in the production and functioning of of these key neurotransmitters. Mm, And I think that shines another light on the importance of it before you're pregnant too and doing that preconception care like we discussed in the other interview together so that you're kind of coming into that phase where it's already really overwhelming and there's so much to focus on and you, you know, there is... I, I kind of call postpartum those first month at least a little bit wild is how I describe it. <laughs> it's like you just don't know how you're going to wake up or, you know, what the day is going to feel like. Yeah. So, you know, trying to do lots of intervention um, in those first couple of months can be really tricky because you're just trying to, you know, focus on the absolute basics sometimes um, so it can be feel, feel really yeah do all these extra things so um, if you're in that phase please prioritize your preconception care so that you can prevent this stuff for happening but what can we start to do um, 
you know, if someone is experiencing what we've talked about today, like where do where do we start with this stuff? If if someone has yeah stress, anxiety, depression, or even like the OCD tendency that you were just talking about, yeah. what would your advice to be for them? I think so. I think definitely counselling is always beneficial. Seeking a professional, you know, often you can get the mental health plans from your GP and go and see. Ideally, see someone who specialises in like postnatal depression and anxiety because it is different to your, you know, standard depression anxiety. Like it is different. So I think trying to see someone that specialises in that area, um, and then working with a naturopath or integrative practitioner and doing like full bloods, you know, iron, vitamin D, B12 checking your thyroid as well, um, zinc, copper, you know, they'll tell you what to get, but doing like full bloods to see if there's any key nutrients that are um, deficient or in excess. And then I definitely think as well, like gut health. So, you know, you can, which you specialize in all the gut testing as well to see what's going on, you know, are we lacking beneficial bacteria that's super important for mental health or do we have an overgrowth of the bad bacteria that is causing, you know, gut inflammation and therefore the neuroinflammation um, and start to really piece together what what's going on, um, you know, internally from that root cause approach. Mm. That's what I would recommend, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm seeing in my practice also a lot of um, SIBO being, like I, I'm finding a lot of people in pregnancy get SIBO. There's a lot of microbiome shifts that happen during pregnancy and postpartum because of the immense difference of this phase of life. There's so many factors that come into play here, even just mm. something as simple as during pregnancy, you not being able to consume your normal diet that you used to due to sickness yeah. or, you know, and we know that even just a single month of um different diet can shift the microbiome so I actually find and screen for a lot of my patients Kate about did this actually start when you were pregnant or postpartum like when I'm looking for SIBO and or IBS and IBD patients because I've actually found a bit of a trend where it's all kind of developed during this phase of life and I think there's also a little bit mm. of a pattern of self-neglect yeah and and I want to yeah. touch on this as part of today because it can be really hard to prioritize self when you are under a baby and have other children running around and yeah, diet and our foundations can slip out. And that and they're those the little things that make a really big difference. So I think that this phase is is quite challenging for a number of reasons. And I that's why I'm seeing, you know, a, a bit of a picture and a trend happening here where complex gut issues stem from this phase of life. So I really like your recommendation of doing microbiome testing. And if you do have nutritional deficiencies, it's often that the gut's not right as well. Like there are other reasons, yeah. you know, dietary and stuff. But I think the combination of what you mentioned between the blood testing and the microbiome testing is a really great place to start with a naturopath for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that would be the best place to start. 
Hmm. And there are, like, I don't want to jump into it today, like there are like key species of bacteria. You know, I've looked at quite a number of studies personally. I'm not sure about you, Kate, but there are like different inflammatory species, like what you were talking about, that can be elevated in certain cohorts of people. So whether you're someone who has anxiety or even schizophrenia, for example, they are, mm. when you look at the data that they've been doing on the microbiome, there are key differences between, you know, the um, anti-inflammatory species that we want there versus the pro-inflammatory ones that are leading to that neuroinflammation that you talked about. So yeah. it's so valuable, like that microbiome test. It's, it's so, like, it's so interesting because I feel like for a long time it's really been a missing key to the area of mental health like who would have thought that because they have done a lot of studies comparing you know um, depressed patients with non-depressed patients and they have totally different gut flora microbiome and it's like who would have thought you know like 20 years ago no one thought to think um, you know well not that I'm aware of but I don't think many people were thinking if the bacteria in their gut um, but, yeah, they have done studies around, like, so there's a, quite a big study that they did around lactobacillus rhamnosus and how they gave that to pregnant women and then throughout the pregnancy and then postnatally they tested, um, you know, the control group and they actually found that the women that took took this specific strain had, like, significantly lower rates of postnatal depression and anxiety. And it's just, yeah, it's so interesting to know, like, wow, like, Something so simple can have such a huge, huge effect on mums, you know, and I think it's so promising that we are starting to understand more about this prevention as well, not just treatment. Yeah. Need both, don't yeah. we? They, they go hand yeah. in hand. Hello, this is a quick break from today's episode to step you into a world of gut health mastery with my Nourish Gut Fundamentals Practitioner course, a self-study program tailor-made for health professionals like you. Say goodbye to uncertainty as you gain the expertise to create a clear process for assessing your patient's digestive health, ensuring a precise and effective diagnosis and treating by going through testing results of both SIBO and microbiome. Dive deep into the intricate realm of all things gut disorders such as IBS, SIBO, IBD, candida, arming yourself with profound understanding that would truly transform your approach to client care. Become a pro at case-taking, deciphering through critical information and crafting personalized treatment strategies that resonate with each individual's need. And here's the icing on the cake. Unlock the secrets of reading a SIBO breath test in just five minutes, saving valuable time and providing timely relief to your clients. But that's not all. The course empowers you to unravel the mysteries of microbiome results, enabling you to address your client's most persistent health concerns with laser-focused precision. Join an exclusive community of fellow practitioners providing mutual support and guidance in a dedicated Facebook group and enjoy lifetime access to course materials, keeping you at the very forefront of the ever-evolving world of gut health. And guess what? As a special offer... Our valued podcast listeners, you can use the code FUNDAMENTALS100, all in capitals, at the checkout and enjoy an incredible $100 off the upfront payment. Don't miss the extraordinary opportunity to step into a brighter future as a certified Nourish Gut practitioner. Enroll now by visiting the link in the show notes of today's episode.
So you're an Ayurvedic practitioner and I love like following you on Instagram because you just share this really beautiful way to do things postpartum, especially um, I love your use of herbal medicine and diet principles. Can you take us through? I know we can't discuss everything today and this is a huge topic and (laughs) so many wonderful things that we can do um, as practitioners in terms of herbal medicine, nutritional support and diet. But Mm. can you like maybe give us your favorites at the moment and like maybe what were the key kind of things that you did in your postpartum this time um, or anything that you think yeah beneficial for someone who has a bit of anxiety and depression going yeah on? well a huge part of Ayurvedic postpartum care actually is around the gut and talks you know it acknowledges that our digestion does change it slows down in pregnancy um, you know a lot of women get constipated they get bloated it's you know the hormones and even just the weight of the uterus slows down that transit time and then after birth as well our digestive fire because we've used enormous resources to give birth that our digestive fire shuts down because it's not it's not a priority when we're in labor to be you know digesting food because typically we're not really eating apart from maybe a bit of snacks like yes, snacks here and there so that yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, it's not really important, you know, when we're in that, even, you know, fight and flight response, so the digestion is one of the first things to get shut down. And so after birth, a huge part of it is rekindling that digestive fire so that we can start to absorb um, the nutrients required for healing and recovery. And that's why they're really big on avoiding like cold foods, raw foods. Um, and we really want to have like those cooked, warm, easy to digest foods. So, you know, not having like a huge steak or something like that, that your body's just not really going to be able to digest or having salads or like icy drinks. So typically they would have a lot of soups, stews, curries. Ghee is also really um, considered very important postnatally as well. So ghee actually helps to kickstart the digestive fire. So it supports that. And often they will also put herbs, like warming herbs into the ghee, so black pepper, and then there's other Ayurvedic herbs like chitrak and a few other kind of more obscure, harder to get ones. But even if you just put like black pepper and ginger into ghee, so like buy a jar of good organic ghee and then um, just sit in a bowl of hot water to melt it and then you could just stir some ginger and black pepper into it and then you just add like a tablespoon, which sounds like a lot, but a tablespoon to each meal um, and it'll really just help to kickstart that digestion because we know if digestion's not working postnatally, then you might be eating all this really amazing healthy food, but we're just not going to be absorbing it. And then that's just going to sit there, ferment, attract bad bacteria, cause, you know, gut flora issues. And then we also won't be breaking down, actually absorbing the nutrients either. So then if that keeps going on and on and on, then, you know, we're going to end up with nutritional deficiencies. We're going to end up with our gut flora all out of whack and then that's going to affect mental health. So I really like that, you know, for something that's so old, you know, thousands of years old, they are still, you know, because some people think how is Ayurveda relevant to today? But like our physiology hasn't changed, you know, we're still, um, you know, yes, our lifestyles have, but the physiology hasn't. And I like that Ayurveda really emphasised that gut health from the moment, um, you know, straight after birth. And that's like the key, key thing. Um, and then the other thing as well, they talk a lot about this cold, you know, we have the different doshas constitutions in Ayurveda and 
though they say that we're predominantly like cold after giving birth because we've lost a lot of, you know, fire through blood, water through amniotic fluid and sweat, earth through placenta. So we're left with a lot of cold, dry um, air and space. And so that's a big impactor on mental health as well. So too much of that cold, dry space can cause anxiety and depression. So that's where the diet once again comes in. But also belly binding. So we want to bind up that big empty space that's there now. Um, and it can actually feel really like nice and grounding and calming as well because it does feel a little bit weird when you've just had this beautiful big bump and then it's just this squishy emptiness there. So it's like supporting the nervous system and making you feel really nice and grounded. Um, and then herbs as well, really important. So you've got, they use a lot of like shatavari and withania and brahmi and all these beautiful herbs to support the nervous system and support the mood. Massage is a big one as well. So massage is great for grounding the nervous system, shifting stuck emotions. Um, so they typically use black sesame, which is really warming um, and quite a neutral oil. And, yeah, just having – because your body's so sore and achy after giving birth as well, which is something I didn't realise after I had my first. I was like, I feel like I've been hit by a bus. Like I feel little bruised and tight and sore. And so, yeah, massage can be a really great supportive way just to nurture that nervous system and, yeah, help clear those stuck emotions because sometimes you feel so emotional after giving birth but you can't even really articulate why. And so sometimes just that body work can be so beautiful and restoring yeah amazing so yeah I'd, I'd say they're the key the key thing yes I've got a massage booked on Wednesday and I'm so excited I wish that I had have done it sooner actually that is like something that but I also didn't feel like leaving the house I think and yeah my tip to anyone would be when you're in your late pregnancy organize a massage therapist to come to your home like if you yeah mobile massage yeah because I that the fact I didn't want to leave the house because I was just fully immersed in everything um stopped me from getting that but I know my body would have really loved it and benefited from it so yeah yeah and pay a little bit extra to get it because you will you know yeah you will love it and your body will thank you and you'll feel so much better um after doing or it. even gifts like often people people are like oh what can I get you or what do you need yes. food and massage thank you yes or even <laughs> maybe like some babysitting as well if you've got older kids <laughs> yeah acupuncture or kinesiology or something to kind of you know work on that those parts of the body that we often get yeah forgotten about um For sure so what would be your you know next set of like advice or tips for mothers like we're getting to the end of today um and I just thought it would mm. be nice to because we've talked a lot about a lot of things and there are some things that people can do but that's a lot that they need to be working with a practitioner to kind of get access to those herbs or um, the testing and stuff like that but can you share maybe yeah. some practical tips and tricks for mothers that they can do right now at home after listening to today? Yeah, so definitely supporting that gut microbiome with your diet. And I know it can be hard, like in pregnancy, if you're not feeling very well, like if you've got nausea and vomiting and even postnatally and you're just tired and, you know, with food, it can be hard. But it definitely, like the research does show that the higher diversity of that gut flora, the less likely you are to get anxiety and depression so really nourishing the gut flora with all the 
lots of fiber, fiber rich foods, lots of, um, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables as well, because that's what feed the microbiome and that's what they, you know, like the prebiotics, um, you know, whole grains, legumes, beans, um, leafy greens, like they just love it and it feeds that good ba- bacteria. Um, so really focusing on that, um, just trying to do the best that you can to sneak sneak them in in any way, shape or form possible. Omega-3, really important as well because it will help with reducing that gut inflammation. So whether that's, you know, from diet, obviously. So um, if you have fish or seafood and then you've got, you know, like your avocados and your chia seeds and hemp seeds, flax seeds. Um, if you're vegetarian, there's, you know, vegan algae, algae DHA, um, which you can take as well, super important because we do give so much of our DHA away during that third trimester to baby's brain and then breastfeeding as well. Our milk is so rich in DHA so we're giving it again and often mums become depleted. So focusing on restoring that DHA through the food and through supplementation as well you know magnesium as well it's a magnesium rich foods very like it's so important for GABA and calming helping with anxiety so you know leafy greens nuts seeds whole grains supplement if you need to as well um you know a lot of our soils particularly here in Australia very poor in very low in minerals so a good powder like um you know a good magnesium glycinate. I've I would try and stay away from like the oxalate, like the oxides and those heavier types of forms. Um, Even in the bath, like magnesium flakes, I really love that brand Ancient Minerals. They have beautiful um, topical oil, um, the bath flakes, really nice. Um, Taking strain-specific probiotics as well as needed. So you'd have to work with a practitioner around this, but especially like so many things pop up in pregnancy, like if you've tested positive for GBS they usually want to put you on antibiotics which is your choice of course but if you do take antibiotics knowing you're going to need to repair the gut if you're having a cesarean they often you know they always give you antibiotics as well so knowing you need to repair the gut mastitis you know a lot of women if they've been antibiotics for GBS antibiotics for cesarean antibiotics for mastitis or repeat mastitis like some women have so many rounds of antibiotics just in that pregnancy postpartum phase and they're not taught that how that affects the microbiome and how you need to repair it. Um, so that's a huge one as well. So ideally avoiding them altogether, but I mean sometimes we can't avoid them. So just knowing that you'll need, yeah, you'll need to repair. Yeah, and that's a um, risk factor like I was talking about before with SIBO that I didn't even mention, you know, antibiotic use um, and reoccurring uh, antibiotic use in a short period of time can be another trigger for the onset um, of SIBO as well. So that's a really good point that you make. And it's 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 really common. And um, unfortunately, a lot of women aren't educated about, you know, the need to recover from that. And then you put all of the other factors that they're undergoing. Um, and, and I talk yeah. about the bucket, Kate, where it's like if it was just one round of antibiotics and, you know, a bit of poor diet, the effect wouldn't be huge, but it's when we kind of go yeah. one thing after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other, and that yeah. fills up and then it starts to overflow and your body and inflammation pathways are all just so ramped up and that's when that neuroinflammation would really be kicking in. So I think, you know, if you're listening to yeah. me, like, oh, yes, that that happened to me and I've done that and I was sick and then I had to have antibiotics. So think about mm. yourself, like how many of these factors that we've discussed today 
resonate with you and that can give you an indication of like the level of support that you may actually need or investigations um that can be a really handy yeah. to try and work out where you sit on that 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 scale of things as well yeah and sa- saffron and turmeric are really great postnatally as well for depression anxiety so helping particularly around that neuroinflammation gut inflammation um they're safe as well in breastfeeding which is awesome um, but yeah, and you've probably read a lot of these studies as well around um, the more like animal studies, how they've actually trans transferred um, like the fecal um, bacteria from depressed or anxious animals into non-depressed, non-anxious patients. And it has actually created, like just that transfer has created the mental health issues in the otherwise healthy subject. And it, it really just goes to show that and I was even reading actually about, which I thought was fascinating, sleep sleep deprivation actually affects the microbiome as well. And they've done a similar thing with transferring the microbiome of these sleep-deprived rats into, you know, into another subject and it produces depression, anxiety, brain fog. And so it's just, yeah, it's really important to know that you need to be looking, like don't just dismiss it as, oh, yeah, like... Mm you know it's probably not making a huge difference because it really like it all comes back you could be eating a great diet taking all the supplements doing all the things but if that gut is not right it's it's going to be you just it's a huge missing piece of the puzzle absolutely and there's factors here that we can't change too like if my four-month-old needs to wake up three times in the night I'm sleep deprived right so that's something that we yeah we can't change but there's so much that we can do that we've talked about today and we're only scratching the surface <laughs> you know yeah. to, su- um, to support support and re- increase that resilience so you're not as affected compared to if you're not doing anything yeah to and buffer the effect <laughs> yes I what came to mind was like I love taking magnesium at before bed at the moment because I just feel like I get good quality a better quality sleep so when I can I'm getting those three hour blocks of sleep I'm like okay I feel like yeah. it's a quality one it's still broken so there's so many little things that we can do whether that's through food or supplementation or lifestyle yeah yeah to help all of this is there any kind of last minute things that you would like to mention before we wrap up today Kate yeah, I think just really just breaking that taboo, you know, breaking that like I know so many mums that it's like they don't want to, they're embarrassed or they uh, they don't want to talk about it. They just hope that oh, it'll go away. I'll just, you know, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to get help. Hopefully it'll go away. And I just want mums to know that it is so common, like it's so common. The more we talk about it, the more we normalise it the more we reach out out for help, it's actually going to be beneficial for you and everyone else as well. So, um, yeah, I just want to encourage if you are struggling, please reach out to practitioner um, because there's so much that can that can be done. And, don't you know, you don't want to let it go on for years and years because it can. Like if you don't do anything about it, it can go on for years um, and we don't want that. So please seek help. Mm nothing to be it's nothing to be ashamed or guilty about at all no absolutely not and there's three things that I would like you to do after listening to this um, and that is one is to pick a dietary thing that you've heard today that you're going to change or implement the second one is to remember that it's okay to ask for help and the third one is if you are in this current 
overwhelm and feeling so much of what you've experienced or like what you're experiencing today is resonating, then reach out to Kate um, and work with her for this postpartum mental health stuff, get screening done, you know, get those nutritional things investigated and start working on all of this. Um, she's an incredible practitioner and mentor in this space. Um, and we're so lucky to have had you on the podcast today, sharing your wisdom um, and inspiration for everyone. So I hope Thanks, that Carly. no worries. Um, <laughs> I hope that you all have a beautiful week and thank you for listening. We will be back next week with another episode. If you want to reach out to Kate, you will find everything you need in the show notes. And if you need any help with anything specific to SIBO, IBS or gut health, you know where to reach out to us as well. Take care and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Nourish Gut. If you've enjoyed today's deep dive into gut health or found value in our discussions, please consider subscribing, leaving a review or sharing with a friend who could use a little digestive support. Remember, your gut is not just a digestion center, but a core part of your overall well-being. If you have specific topics you'd like us to cover or even just a question you'd like us to answer, feel free to reach out. You can find us over on Instagram at Carly Raven Naturopath or even drop us an email at hello at carlyraven.com. And before we go, a big thank you to you, our incredible community and our dedicated listeners. Your journey to butter gut health inspires us every single day. Stay tuned for more insightful episodes. And until next time, take care of your gut, nourish your body and embrace the amazing journey to a healthier, happier you.